Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. This morning, we've got a word from God where He wants to pour into us. The Spirit of God, He wants to pour into us, and only then do we have anything to be able to pour out. And um, a couple of weeks ago, um, just as a fun story, maybe fun to hear, not fun for me, but we were uh, just off Sheriff's Road there and my car had, had some car troubles. It's kind of been a year of those fun car things. We've got one coming in the future, but at the moment we're kind of like, just hold on. Kind of got my legs out the bottom like the Flintstones, just keeping the car kind of going for now in the meantime. But had some car troubles and uh, we walked nearby to, to McDonald's of all places, which was great. And uh, I'm there with my three kids waiting for the RAA. We're sitting at the, the bench table, they're eating some food and we're just sort of, I'm having a moment of reflection um, without my car functioning. And so I'm sitting there and thinking, you know, it's funny, right in this McDonald's here, I remember being six years old, my sister was 10 and She'd gone in to get the food that we'd, so we were parked in the car park. She'd gone in and she'd seen some, some young guy take money over the counter or grab a, I don't know, probably one of those Ronald McDonald, like, um, you know, for coins or something. And she'd told them and the police came and it was all this. And I'm thinking of all this stuff, going, oh yeah, I was six, that happened. You know, my whole life's flashing before my eyes at McDonald's. Um, meanwhile, no one else really seems interested in that, but I'm just reflecting on everything. And then I'm thinking, you know, probably around seven or eight, and we're, we're in the car with my dad and he's got car troubles and we're right near where I'm stuck. And I'm thinking, oh man, dad was really peaking that day. He was not happy. He was a frustrated dad. And now I'm the frustrated dad sitting there and thinking, okay, I think he would have been around 40. And I remember um, getting or looking at birthday cards that said 40 on them, like this gigantic number that was like never reachable by me. And, um, and it said things like 40 over the hill. And I remember saying to my dad, hey, dad, 40 over the hill, you know? And he's like, that hurts, Robert. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. He didn't take that so well. I thought it was a fun thing, but he must've been reflecting on his 40 years of life. And now here I am reflecting on next month, turning 40 years old um, in March. Yeah, woo. Yeah, you can woo it up. Yeah, it's awesome. But, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but you often sort of start to think through life, reflect, how's it going? What sort of life do I want to live? And and what do I want to see poured out? And, you know, I was reflecting, I think I'd love to be able to leave a legacy for um, my kids, our family, for our family to all know Christ, for us to see you know, Christ fully formed in us and to continue to grow and flow out, um, to see others know Jesus, not as a subject matter, but to know Him personally. And I'm thinking through all these things and, and I'm thinking, how am I going with that? And the Apostle Paul, who writes two thirds of the New Testament that we read and preach from, and he shares in Second Timothy, he says that he was living a life that was being poured out to God like a drink offering. Um, what does that mean to live a life poured out? I know Pastor Karen this morning poured her uh, water bottle all over her Bible and made it soggy. That is not a life poured out, but it was kind of a picture of what not to do. Um, you can find that on soggybible.com now if you want to buy it. So we're going to talk around the subject today of a life 
poured out. Um, Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and well. And uh, you are at work in people's hearts, that you are the word who became flesh, you dwelt amongst us. And God, we thank you that you are here with us, you're for us this morning. And we just pray that we don't hear the words of a man today, but we pray that we receive the word of God um, and that we receive from you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So turn with me to 2 Timothy 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. If you're new here, um, please come and see some of the team afterwards. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We've got a gift for you and some of the team will talk to you about that um, shortly today. But we've been expecting you to be here, so we're all prepared for that. 2 Timothy 4, um, verses 6 to 7. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. So we see Paul here, a bit of a, I guess, unpacking of this um, passage of Scripture. And when I was looking into it, I was really listening with, I guess, fresh ears again, because Paul is an apostle. He, he led a life from, went from being a religious leader, persecuting Christians and causing all sorts of drama for him to having this encounter um, with Jesus on the road to Damascus that completely changed his life. And he became a preacher and a teacher, a church planter. And um, this is around 67 AD. He writes to Timothy, um, a son in the faith, from a filthy, dark, damp prison, uh, Roman prison cell. And he's encouraging him in his faith that just like you and I, that Paul's saying, hey, my days are numbered. Now, he literally knew they were numbered within days or weeks that he was, his head's on the chopping block. It wasn't long for him. So pretty important to see what is he actually writing about. He rejoiced in the fact, though, that he was finishing his life's race well and being poured out as a pleasing offering to God. So he uses this term, being poured out as a drink offering. And now the the idea of a drink offering, we first see it in Genesis uh, 35. We see Jacob um, poured out a drink offering before the Lord as a sacrifice. Um, And and it, it it was an offering that could be part of the sacrifice to God. But the difference with a a drink offering is it was all poured out to God. A lot of the other offerings would be, you know, there would still be a portion left over for the Levitical, you know, priests and the Levites. And, 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 but this was the idea of a complete giving, no reservation. And the liquid is completely emptied from the cup, totally given to God. But Paul also knows that um, after every Roman meal, uh, they'd end up with a small sacrificial ritual to the gods of, of a pouring out. A cup of wine was taken and poured out before the gods. So he's, he's capturing his, uh, uh, in writing this, he, he knows that people have this understanding. So he's saying, in a sense, hey, the day's ended for me. Um, we've shared the meal and it's been my, um, my life is being poured out unto God. So I'll ask you this question, something for us to think about. What is in our bottle today? What are we, what are we pouring out? And before we think, well, that's great for you Christian people and, you know, a life poured out to God sounds pretty heavy. I'm not really sure I'm participating. I don't want to play. Thanks. I'm just going to watch. Well, either way, we are living a life poured out. It's just a matter of who or what we are pouring out to. Um, it's like that old, uh, you know, that soap used to be on the TV in the middle of the day, like sands through the hourglass, so were the days of our lives. And it's just sort of, you know, tipping out. Some people are going, oh yeah, I'm old. I remember that too. Um, exactly. Time and life, it keeps being poured out and spent. It's not going to stop. It's just what are we spending it on? 
And I'm sure like me, you want to live a life poured out to God. I know there's people in this, uh, in this room that that's exactly your heart. You want to live a life poured out for God. We were just praying earlier in the prayer meeting this morning. Um, people that are going on mission into Papua New Guinea. You know, we got Jackie and Roger Page who are able to do that. And we've got Jess Watson who's going to Japan. Um, I gave her my one line of speaking Japanese to try and be impressive, but it wasn't impressive to her. She was like, that's all you can do, isn't it? I'm like, yep, that's it. Um, but these are people that are pouring their life out only because God's first poured in. Otherwise, what have we got to pour out? Um, yeah, the Christian life isn't a life of works. It's a life outworked from God. We receive revelation from Him and it results in transformation and activation. If I had any more Asians, I would have turned into Pastor Danny right in front of you with all the rhyming words. First point is that God pours into us. Uh, a couple of years ago, before Paul writes about living a life poured out to God in 2 Timothy, he writes about how God pours into us. In Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 8, we read this. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Saviour revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. I want you to in insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Amen. 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 The subheading of this scripture that we just read was saved in order to do good. And that it starts with God first pouring into us. That even good works without um, God-loving uh, God heart aren't godly works. So he reminds us of who we are before we know Christ. Harsh reality that sometimes we need to go, oh no, that's who I am. That's who I am in my natural self. Anything other than that is a miracle that God's doing through me. Um, and so they're not yet Christian, you know, deceived. Uh, by other gods, mainly the God of ourselves, because we love to be um, in, in ultimate control and ultimate authority of what's right and wrong for us. But wow, look at the response and God's, uh, look at what we're like in God's response. Just to recap, foolish and disobedient, misled, um, slaves to lusts and pleasures, full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. And then what's his response? That he generously pours out his spirit upon us. And he gives us grace. We're made right in his sight. How is that possible? This is the miracle of just simply putting our faith in what Jesus has done. It's amazing. Now, I know I'm a sinner. I fall short. I get it wrong all the time. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. Um, but I know that he began a good work in me. He'll continue it. He'll complete it. And I also know there's no way I could treat people the way I do and even live out the life that I'm living out now if God hadn't done a work in me already. It's just not possible. Um, for many of us at times, it can sound so offensive, like it's undoing you know, all, all our hard work to think that any positive change in my character or, or what I'm doing could possibly be a work of God through us. Because we're sinners. We, we love 
and can be very self-righteous. We think that we can be right by ourselves, but that's not what the Word of God tells us. Righteousness means I'm right with God. Ephesians 2, chapter 8, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Salvation, not by works, so no one can boast. I know many of my not yet Christian friends or others close that they would look in on, on my life, our life and, and yours, I'm sure, um, can think, wow, what a, what a hard work of religious activity. I mean, they're Sunday, they're there, they pray, they do things during the week, they've got some group of people they gather with. It's just, you guys, I don't know how you do it. You know, spiritual ninjas that just keep up this amazing effort. But that's so laughably far from the truth, isn't it? That is not what it means to, uh, to be having Christ who's first poured into us. A life poured out is only in response to God first pouring in. You ready for some Bible? I'm going to do some machine gun scripture. Lots all at once here. I hope you're ready. Um, Genesis 1, 1. If we're ever sure who's leading the, the whole thing in our life here. In the beginning, God. Well, there you go. He's the one who comes first. Created the heavens and the earth. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Wow. Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He goes before us. He's the one leading. 1 John 4.19, we love because He first loved us. He transforms hearts. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. In Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So only when he first discovered the treasure did he pour out all that he had for something far greater. God goes before us. He's the one leading us. He's the one pouring into us. We can't leave, uh, live a life poured out if he's not pouring in. Whatever or whoever we value most is where our heart will also be. Um, our time, focus and attention. Remember, we're living a life poured out. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what's His mercy? That He's already poured out His life um, for us at the cross. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we don't pour out our life to get God's attention um, or, or make Him happy with us. Scripture is clear, life poured out comes from the miracle of God transforming our heart first, doesn't He? We're never going to look perfect, but we should look different. We are called to be set apart, not look the same. I know about, um, I'm sure in your life, living a, a life of faith, people look in at our life. And I think sometimes it's you know, helpful just to, for us to acknowledge what that can look like. And looking in at a life of faith, because I've done it myself, looking at other people's life of faith, we can at times either be jealous or we can be cynical, especially if we're a non-believer looking into a believer's life. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, we can look in and be jealous. I was talking to a mate at my, uh, um, my workplace and he was talking about, you know, you've got a nice car and you think your family and friends would be happy for you and they're often the, the worst. They're like, oh, you think you're all that, do you? Oh, la di da if it isn't money bags over here with his car and you think they'd be happy. But then other people who don't even know that, well, like, good for you, man, that's a great car. You know, there's a jealousy because there's something in his life. It can be similar with our journey of faith. 
Um, it's the fruit of what God's done in our life. So we can't boast about it, as the Scripture said. But people will see that fruit and there can be a jealousy. I don't have that in my life. I, I don't, I don't um, see the fruit of that in my life. Or uh, another response could be um, that we're cynical. You know, oh, I know who you really are. You know, I've known you for a while. I know who you really are. You cannot keep up this religious act for too long. Like the wheels are going to come off eventually. And that's true. We can't keep that up. That is true. But hey, how many of you know, um, it's not even people close to us. We know what we're really like, don't we? We know what our true nature is, even if other people around us don't. Um, I was... uh, in Perth shortly after we got married in 2010 and I was in a state manager role for a sales company. I won't say who they are because it was Foxtel and they might sue me. Um, but, oh, wait a second. Um, and uh, I was running that, I'd inherited 30 staff members and 30 contractors. And one of the fun things that I noticed, when I say fun, it was actually kind of stressful, was um, everyone there, I was the new state manager. So they were like, okay, We've got a fresh chance to kind of, you know, um, influence the new state manager and put on our, our best, uh, our best sort of um, works and the way that we go. And you know, they were working really hard and talking about what the other state manager had promised to them beforehand. Oh, this was going to happen and that. And I'm like, oh yeah, sounds great. I'm looking at these notes left from the other state manager, they're not correlating with who this employee is saying that they are. So I had people that were on casual and um, part time gunning for a full time role. And I'm the key to them, you know, getting that. So wisdom told me, let's put people on like a six-month probation, right? So no one, just to see if they're trying to pull the wool over me for the way they really are. Man, am I glad I did that. I think most of them, they were trying to pull the wool over my eyes. But here's the thing, they could only keep that act up for maybe three months, right? And it's the same, um, it's the same for us. We could only keep up uh, an act of our spiritual work, so we can only temporarily polish up our act um, and superficially cover up the issues of the heart, but eventually it all comes out in the wash, doesn't it? And we know what we're really like. Dead religion has this fake it till you make it kind of approach. Um, we were at San Churros uh, the other day. I don't know how, is that how you pronounce it? Churros, churros, I don't know. And um, we're looking at, you know, like a dirty milkshake glass after we're drunk and it's all fingerprints and, you know, ice cream all over it. And it, this idea of uh, just as a G3 circle of guys, we were talking about that and going, you know, it's funny, we think that we need to, for God to pour in, we've got to go get in the kitchen, get back there and get that thing sparkly clean. And God's like, no, it's never going to happen. You're never going to get it right. We just leave it there, even if it's embarrassing or even if it's awkward. And he pours in and he pours in and he pours in. And what happens? He continues to do a purifying work. He, the overflow is, is going to be all what he's up to. We're never going um, to be perfect enough um, to come to him. And we're never going to be good enough. Hey, it is true. Good people do go to heaven. Pause for effect. Here's, what's the problem? There was only one good person ever. And he came from heaven and he was returning there. So we're never going to get it right on our own. So let's just free ourselves up from that. It was Jesus, Emmanuel, you know, God with us who came and did that. Mark 10, 18 says this. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God alone. He's saying, are you saying I'm God? That's where he's going with this. So God pours into us, bless you. Now everyone's paranoid to sneeze. Um, maybe today you feel 
spiritually dry? Here's the thing. I know that God wants to pour in this morning. I get the privilege of, you know, God uh, goes before us, goes before me with what the word's going to be. And I know that he wants to pour in, which means I know that there's people ready to receive from God, whether we're spiritually dry because we don't know who he is, which is most important, or whether we're spiritually dry because we want to see him pour out through our life and we're not pressing in to receive from him. Well, today we can fill up. We're called to run our race well, but like sometimes we live our Christian lives like a marathon runner who runs, gets the paper cup of God on the run, drink, tip, keep going. And God's like, well, I want to give you whatever you would want to drink, but if that's all you want, but he wants to spend time with us. He wants, he wants us to, to be with him. If you're thirsty today, we can drink up. Um, do we have a posture to receive? Have we got our hand over that cup going, no, 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 that's just gross. Look at all the fingerprints on it. And I, I can't even. And he's like, well, get your hand out of the way because I want to pour in. Is that our posture this morning? Are we ready to receive from him? It's okay. Jesus has only ever had a dirty cup to pour into. He's the one that makes us clean. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We're going to be able to respond in worship um, in the next you know, 10, 15 minutes. We'll be able to respond. Um, maybe have some team uh, come and pray with you. Um, take some steps today. You know, sometimes we think enough analogies. What are we even talking about? What we're saying is let's stop, take time with God, pray, read His Word and let Him pour in. Um, we don't always get amazing revelation when we do that, do we? We don't go, yeah, Every single time I read it, just God just you know, jumps off the page and that's not always what happens. But God uses it for times in our future as well. And if, it, if He hadn't first poured in, then it's not gonna be able to come out later on. John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. We make time for Him. Maybe today you literally need to go into your calendar and schedule the where and the when. Not just I'm going to make time for God at some point. It's getting quiet. God pours into us, firstly. And secondly, God pours out through us. We're made for both. He does this first through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the, the prophet Ezekiel um, just to sort of bring us up to speed to the scripture we're going to go into, we see that God delivered his people out of slavery um, and out of the wilderness, established uh, them as a nation. There were judges and there were kings, um, you know, uh, men as rulers. And as the, the power of Israel grew, um, things started to fall apart. People turned away from God, they hardened their hearts towards him. And um, Jerusalem was established as a city, but then we start to see they're bringing idols in, they're worshipping other gods, um, idols into the temple, presence of God leaves the temple um, at the same time as the, the nation's been divided and conquered by other armies. And this is all that's happening. The temple's destroyed and the best of the nation are taken out into exile. God goes and He's with His people um, that, are, uh, that have been exiled. And decades later, after they feel, hey, we deserve what's happened here, we've abandoned God. Um, uh, we deserve what we get for our actions. And at the lowest point in the nation, the prophet Ezekiel has a fresh vision from God for a new temple and the presence of God returning to that temple in a whole new way to worship. And then we come into the scripture of Ezekiel 47, verse one to 12. Please read it in your own time because it's 12 uh, verses, goes a little bit longer. I'm gonna paraphrase 
um, Ezekiel 47, 1 to 12. Um, it talks about the river from the temple. In this vision from God, I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Then he led me through the water that was ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep. Now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. The water flows toward the eastern region where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea and salty water, the, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. Um, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides, uh, both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Most interpreters uh, would agree that this passage of Scripture signifies the gospel. It's the good news that's going to flow out um, through Christ, of which uh, it flows out from Jerusalem uh, to all nations and the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be um, with those bringing the good news. And here we are today, you know, fish of many types um, that are here. Christ is the new temple. He's the door. And it's from Him that those living waters flow out of His pierced side at the cross. We see the water flows out, the beginning of a new way to worship of what God has done for us. Um, we need His grace. One commentator says, the grace of God makes dead sinners alive and lively, uh, sorry, and living saints lively. I hope you feel like a, if you're a living saint today, which you are, you feel lively today. What he's saying is that brings death to life and those that are already alive in Christ are even more alive with what He does in and through us. Amen? Um, but where the river flows, uh, sorry, the swamps and marshes are people stuck in their own mud of sin. We can all relate to that at some point. But refusing good news and grace, self-righteous and think that they don't need healing and they'll be given to salt like a lasting barrenness. But where the river flows, everything else will live and we're called to receive from Jesus and be used by Him so that others would know who He is. That's what we're called to do. If the team can join us again as we're going to respond and worship soon. You know, just recently, I, um, I know it's summertime. Well, on our calendar, it says it's summertime. We had two days of summer the rest of them are kind of this spring sort of thing going on. Um, but we see, you know, uh, I, I got prepared this year. I'm like, right, summer, bring it on. I'm not letting my, any of my garden, you know, cop it. I got things organised, redid my sprinkler system while we went on holidays so that it didn't miss a beat. But I, because um, I'm an old man now, I went and told my wife, I'm going to get myself a, a hose and reel for Christmas. <laughs> you know, that guy who talks with a whistle on TV. I'm like, yeah, I'm sick of my hose breaking down and the, you try and reel it in. I'm, it's like the castle, I'm like a rod and reel. You know, like it's like a hose and reel, bends right back on itself. Um, I was so excited to gift myself for this for Christmas and then like literally unwrap it and feel like an absolute idiot. I'm like, what's oh, the hose I knew that I got? Um, I'm 40, see, it's what's happening. 
And so here's the thing. I get this hose. Can you imagine I'm getting this hose so we can obviously pour out at the front. Can you imagine if I got this hose for the purpose of trying to fill up Happy Valley Reservoir? I got the hose. Oh, what'd you get that for? Oh, I'm going to fill up the reservoir with it. It's, that would be the strangest thing, buying a hose in order to fill up the supply. That doesn't make sense. We can't do that. The hose is designed to pour out, not pour in. In the same way, God pours into us so He can pour out through us. We're made to pour out. Yes, we can pour into other people's lives, but we can't pour into the supply. We aren't self-sufficient spiritually, are we? We're we're never going to be not having the need of living water that comes from Christ and Christ alone. There's no substitute. We're not able to shortcut that. We're not able to to make that happen ourselves. Just like the woman at the well, Jesus says, I offer you living water so you will never thirst again. The good news of Jesus is made to flow out through His church. Maybe there's some ways of applying this. Um, You know, we can get used to things. We can hear pathway and see it after the meeting and we can go, oh yeah, you know, oh, the Word of God. Yep, I get it. But maybe as a fresh application, we can go, God, would you pour into me? Can I receive your Word afresh? Can I use the resource that we've got? I can tell you now firsthand, we don't graduate the Gospel. I've never not received something when I'm going through pathway with others. Um, Maybe you can give that to someone. I know giving the Word of God to someone is good, but we're not called to just be a spiritual courier and drop something off. Take people through the pathway with our bumpy, broken, you knowness of our own life. But God ministers in. If we think that, oh, I can't do that because I don't have the clean glass, remember, we, we don't have that on our own. That's what God does through us. Let me encourage you to have a fresh boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit, not from us. So it's not, when you're right when you're saying, I can't, I can't. I know, I know we can't. But God can through us. He wants to pour in and pour out through us. Maybe we can start with some low-hanging fruit. We all know some people that are like, oh, so how'd you go at church the other week? And then there's other people like, mm-hmm, don't want to hear about it. Well, start with the people that are there going, oh, how did it all go? So oh, I used to go to church years ago, but you know. And we're like, oh yeah, cool, great. Anyway, what, what about those people? God, would you empower us just to give fresh conversation? Who can we send a message to tonight and say, hey, I just want to catch up with you this week. Really been thinking, I was, I was praying about you. Let me tell you about that when we catch up during the week. We can do that. Who's the ultimate example of a life poured out? It's Jesus. The one who pours in. The same one who was there when the breath of life was poured into Adam's lungs when he was formed by the hands of God. Because of our sin, we're separated from God. He can't coexist with sin. We know that the wages of sin is death. That's our payment. That's what we earn for all of our sin that we accumulate. Whoever we think are really bad people, you know, murderers or whatever we consider, we've got this kind of list, but no, that's all of us. You know, liars, thieves, hating our brother, looking with lust, dishonouring our parents, the bad things we do, the good things we don't do. We're sinners. We fall short. And our deserved payment for that is God's wrath. That was death. But He lives a perfect life and then pours out His life into us. 
at the cross, we can have life in Him. And He didn't spare a drop as He hung on that cross for you and for I. He poured out His life so that we would have life poured into us. And in the last moments on that cross, He sees you and He sees me and He yells out, it is finished, meaning paid in full. He paid the debt that we were never gonna be able to pay. Some of us know this and some of us are hearing it for the first time, but we all get a chance to respond. John 19, 33, 34. But when they came to Jesus and found that He was already dead, they did not break His legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And so God pours into us. Because three days later, we know that He rose again. He conquered Satan, sin, death, so that we can have life in order that He would continue to pour out His love through His church so that we can now turn from our sin, we can turn to God. So we're called to live a life poured out so that others will have life poured in. Amen. We need to receive from Him this morning. I know that there's hearts here that we're longing to receive from Him. We're gonna worship, but why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna worship as our response to all that He's done. We're gonna open up the the front as an altar call, as a prayer response. If you wanna receive from God, it's just an action to step forward and say, I wanna receive from you. Whether you've known Him your whole life or you're getting to know Him now. But we're gonna sing the lyrics to this song of Spirit of the living God fall afresh on me, that He would fill us anew. And I want that to be our prayer this morning, that we just take time to receive from God. Let's pray. Jesus, we need You. Holy Spirit of God, would You, would you pour out? Would You pour out? If we have hardened hearts this morning, God, we repent of that and we say, we need You, Jesus. We're not spiritually self-sufficient and we can't pour out without You pouring in. Would you continue to flow in and through our lives as we posture ourselves to receive? Why don't you make this song your prayer? Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.